You're listening to The Bookstorian Podcast, a podcast for book lovers and bookstagrammers. Hello and welcome to The Bookstorian Podcast. My name is Tegan and I am your host. On this episode of the podcast, Penny from At Books with Penny joins me to talk about Asian voice literature and her Asian Voices book club. This is a great episode where we respond to a bunch of prompts and give you a wide range of recommendations, all based on the theme or genre of Asian voices. There are no spoilers in this episode. I hope you enjoy. Hello, Penny, and welcome to the Bookstore in Podcast. Hi, Tegan. Thanks for having me. You are very welcome. Um, I'm looking forward to talking to you today about Asian voices literature. Yes, very exciting. Um, Thanks for having me on. It's a topic that I'm really passionate about. So it's great that I'm able to come on and have a chat to you about it. And would you like to share anything about uh, your background to the listeners? Sure. So um, I was born in Australia, but my parents are both from Cambodia. My dad is half Chinese and half Cambodian ethnically, and my mum is full Cambodian. Um, I kind of identify with my mom's side a bit more just because I grew up with my mom's side of the family and yeah um, so a bit of a blend of Australian slash Cambodian culture in my upbringing. Excellent thank you for sharing. Um, to start I'm going to start with a icebreaker question and my icebreaker question for you is nice and simple uh, it is what are you currently reading? Sure. So I have a few books going at the moment. I'm a bit of a mood reader, so I tend to have like two or three books going at once, um, just depending on my mood. Um, but two of the books I'm reading at the moment, one is Minor Feelings by Kathy Park Hong. Uh, it's a collection of essays and it's part memoir about her relationship with her racial identity as a Korean American. And I've only just started it, but she talks about, you know, internalized racism breaking down that model minority stereotype and just the relationship that race plays in her friendships and families in her life. Um, The second book that I'm reading, which I am quite into at the moment, is No Hard Feelings by Genevieve Novak. Um, I'm sure everyone and their dog has already read it by now or at least heard about it. And it's a book about a girl in her 20s living in the inner suburbs of Melbourne. She's pretty unhappy with her career progression and she's stuck in a relationship that is not so great with her ex and she's just going about her life as the people around her and all her friends are seemingly getting their lives together whether that's you know getting married career progression or you know just seemingly having everything all together and yeah it's just nice reading a book that's set in Melbourne and just having all those familiar suburbs and places and yeah definitely a Definitely fits the sad girl millennial crisis category. So really enjoying it so far. (laughs) (laughs) I like that you've identified that as a, um, (laughs) its own. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like, feel like it's a lot of books have emerged in that category recently. And yeah, it's been, it's been a good one so far. Uh, One book that I've read recently that would fit that category is Love and Other Puzzles by Kimberly Alsop. Um, and similar idea where it's, I think it's based in Melbourne as well, where you're getting that oh Australian gosh. millennial feel as well. Um, but it's a good one. Um, I'm currently reading The Cult of Romance by Sarah Ahob. I really hope I pronounced her name correctly. Um, I'm very early in, like I only just started reading it the other day, but it is essentially about Natalie, who is a Lebanese Australian and um, her best friend comes back 
uh, from a trip from Lebanon um, and is engaged and she's only 19. So the, I think the bulk of the book so far has been Natalie's like crisis of dealing with the fact that her best friends decided to get married and kind of tarnished a lot of their dreams that they had together. Um, and there's obviously already an infusion of Lebanese Australian culture embedded within the book. Like she has quite a difficult relationship with her grandmother. Um, yeah, I'm enjoying it. Like it's, it's a fairly easy read at the moment, but I'm also uh, gaining a lot of knowledge about Lebanese Australian culture through reading it as well. Oh, that's amazing. That's also on my shelf. Um, and oh, I'm, nice. like, I, when I read the blurb, I was like, oh, this sounds really interesting. So it's good that you're enjoying it so far. I don't think I've read a book by a Lebanese Australian author before, so it'll be good as well. And it's good. You're getting that cultural aspect of it in the story. Yeah, definitely. And it's based in Sydney as well. So it's that Australian flair too. Oh, which, nice. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's nice to get, if you, if you are interested in that little corner of the world, um, the, uh, a book that I've read recently and I've actually done a podcast episode on is Something Blue by Alex Sarkis. Um, and she's a Lebanese Australian author as well. And she writes about uh, growing up in Western Sydney. So it is a fictional story, but it is inspired by um, herself and her life as well. Oh, that's amazing. I've seen that book around as well because it has a gorgeous cover. I didn't realize it was a Lebanese author, so I'll have to check it out. Yeah, definitely. I, I do recommend it. It's very similar to like Looking for Ella Brandy. If you've ever read that, or oh, that's that. it's funny you say that. I have that on my TBR for this month because oh. one of my friends, it's her, the author of that book is her favorite author, and I'm going to an event with her. So I was like, I should do some pre reading before I go to that event. Yeah, definitely. It's a like very Australian <laughs> classic, I feel like I had, I remember I had to read it in high school. Um, and I actually yeah. recently rewatched the movie after reading Something Blue just to kind of remind myself oh. about the story and what happens. Yeah. Um, oh my yeah. gosh, I'll have to watch the movie as well. Yes, the movie's, the movie's very well done. Um, I think it was made like early 2000s as well. Yeah. So, yeah, so it has some very interesting like cinematic choices. <laughs> <laughs> so it's interesting to look back and see what was like trendy 20 yes. years ago. Yes, definitely. Uh, so you are here to talk to me today uh, because you have a bookstagram account, but also uh, we have an awesome topic to discuss as well. So I'll get you first to uh, describe your bookstagram feed to my listeners. Sure. So I think in terms of my feed and the aesthetic, it's very simple at the moment. I just keep it clean. Um, a lot of white, light and pastel colours. Um, that's kind of like the vibe of my house. So it kind of works with the bookstagram. In terms of the content, um, try to mix it up with a range of reviews, but also tags that I see that other people tag me in, or I just like see around and I'm like, okay, I'm going to consider myself tagged and I'm going to do it. Um, and then just any post ideas that come up. So it's really just a amalgamation of anything that interests me at the time. Um, my story on the other hand is, I feel like my outlet for just talking nonstop about what I'm currently obsessed with. So thanks to all my books of house for putting up with me and sometimes enabling me. Um, but yeah, I think that pretty much describes my bookstagram. And I think you have like a, a fun sense of like color as well. Um, and, and even that like pop, you always make a, um, a cover pop in your, in your images as well. Oh, like it, it really does become the center point um, of your images. So uh, I always really enjoy asking people this question. Um, sometimes people have very similar answers or sometimes people have completely different ones. But why did you start your Bookstagram account? 
Yeah, so I started, I think like a lot of people in Melbourne during lockdown last year, um, I only started getting back into reading. I used to read a lot in high school, but then during the end of high school and then towards uni, I stopped reading completely. Um, but during lockdown, I started getting back into it and I wanted somewhere to document that and also kind of just like share my thoughts on books with like five of my friends. <laughs> so I created the account and I was like, I can just post reviews on here and then I can follow other bookstagram accounts. So I can get some book related content and some more recommendations. Um, but then people started following me back and then people started messaging me and being like, oh, welcome to the community. Like, I'm so glad that you joined. And yeah, everyone was just so welcoming. So from there, I just started posting a bit more, interacting with people and then connecting with more people. And that's how we got to where we are today. It really is a great community to be a part of. And I think that's what so many people are surprised about. Because uh, so many corners of the internet are not very nice places to be a part of, but Bookstagram is just something completely special um, and unique. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, I remember the first day that I made my account, I just like posted a photo and then I followed a few accounts just because I wanted to look at their content. Um, and then I came back an hour later and I had my mess, my messages were flooded. It's like, welcome to Bookstagram. Like, so glad to have you here. Love your first post. I was like, oh my God, this is so nice. I did not expect this to happen. It is very surprising um, and can, can be a little bit overwhelming, but in a good way. <laughs> yes, definitely. So something else that you have started via your Instagram account is the Asian Voices Book Club. Uh, so this is sort of a double barrel question. Uh, why did you start the book club and how did you actually go about establishing it? There were a number of reasons why I wanted to start the book club. What, the first one was when I started reading again, I kind of just went for what was popular or what was hyped up at the time because I hadn't read for so long and I was like, oh, I need to get up to speed on what everyone else is reading. Um, but I found that out of all of those, the stories that resonated with me the most were books by diverse authors, um, in particular Asian authors. So. I absolutely loved Helen Huang's The Kiss Quotient series. I loved Dialet for Aunties. And from that, I wanted to read more books by Asian authors. But personally for me, I kind of found it a bit hard to find more recommendations in comparison to finding books by white authors. Um, it often took a lot more research to uncover some new books to read. And secondly, um, around January, everyone was kind of posting their New Year's resolutions and also their reading goals for the year. And a big one that I saw, which was common, was that people wanted to read more diversely. So with those two reasons in mind, I was like, I feel like a good way to achieve this would be to come together and start a book club and in particular dedicate it to Asian voices because it's an area that I'm most passionate about. So I ended up running it past a few of my bookster friends and seeing who was keen. And then from there, I kind of just started it and then um, posted about it. And then a few people that I didn't know and like a few mutual followers um, said they were interested and it just started from there. And if someone's listening right now and they are interested in being involved in the book club, how do they go about it? Sure. So anyone who's interested, um, the more the merrier. You can just message me. I'm Books with Penny on Instagram. Um, there's a little more information about the book club on my Instagram under, I think it's book club info. It's a highlight on my profile. Um, and you can also look up the hashtag Asian Voices Book Club to look at any past reviews or books um, in case you're also looking for any Asian reads. 
Um, we tend to vote on a book each month from a list of member suggestions. And I try to keep it diverse in terms of the ethnicity of the author and also the genre. And throughout the month, we read our own pace and then we discuss it at the end. And there's no obligation to participate every month. Like some people don't like certain genres or, you know, they're busy during a month or they've already read the book. So happy to, so it's totally fine to come and go as you please. And I think I get this question a lot, which is, do I have to be Asian to join the Asian Voices Book Club? And absolutely not. Um, there's such a diverse range of people in the book club. So definitely everyone's welcome, regardless of cultural background. I love talking about book clubs and I love it when people have like a casual <laughs> approach to book club as well. Like it's not, you have to lock in and read every single book. You can kind of um, come and go as you please. It definitely takes the pressure off. Um, so yeah, if you're, if you're having a, a mid-year resolution of joining a book club, uh, an Asian voices, the Asian voices book club would be a great option for you to explore, especially to diversify your reading. Hey listeners, loving the bookish chat? I'm always elated to see how many of you download, stream and listen to each episode and cannot thank you enough for coming back again and again. If you have time, this is just a reminder to make sure you leave a rating wherever you listen if possible. Ratings help some people to determine if they're going to listen to the show and can also be the first chance I have at drawing in new listeners. Ratings also give me some feedback on the content that I'm creating. Now, let's get back to the books. So for the next part of the podcast, we're going to have a chat about the Asian voices genre. For the purpose of this episode, um, I'm using the definition from the Yukoto Publishing in regards to what they stipulate as being Asian voice literature. And this is what they say. Asian literature is known to be a philosophical and contemplative art, pondering on major matters in life, such as our origins, our death, where we come from and where we go, how we come alive and how we die, as well as how we should live in between. So that's a, um, a direct quote there from that publishing industry. Um, and Penny, that's a definition you would agree with? Um, so I would say yes and no. Um, I think that definition covers one small set of Asian literature and I wouldn't really box all Asian stories into that category. Um, while those philosophical and contemplative pieces are really important, I don't think they're the only Asian stories. Um, personally, for me, I define it as something a lot broader than that. And I'd say that Asian literature is just any book that's written by an Asian author, whether that's an Asian author who was born and raised in Asia or diaspora like myself living outside of Asia. Um, and yeah, you know, there's in the, within that, there's so much diversity in terms of experience and stories and interests and therefore not every Asian would want to write about philosophical um, subject matters. So, you know, you've got books about joy, you've got books about falling in love, you've got books about, you know, the LGBTQ community. Um, so I'd say Asian literature goes from those contemplated pieces like Convenience Store Woman and Before the Coffee Gets Cold. But then you've also got romance like The Kiss Quotient by Helen Huang. You've got historical fiction like the henna artist Pachinko. And I'd say they're all part of the Asian literature um, category. Yeah. And they all speak from a, like, a unique voice and point of view as well. So 100%. with... 
I've got a few questions that I'm going to ask you. Some of them are going to be based on um, your book club picks. Others are Asian voices in general. So, I mean, not every uh, response has to be um, geared towards something that you have read in your book club. It, it becomes quite a, um, a broad conversation that we're about to have. So I think the, the first question I want to start with is what is an Asian voices book that you recommend to people the most? All right. So I would say that that would be Know My Name by Chanel Miller. Um, I honestly think that this should be required reading for absolutely everybody. Um, so Know My Name is Chanel's memoir, and she is the survivor of the Brock Turner Stanford sexual assault case. And when I read it, I just thought it was so beautiful and so poetically written, but heartbreaking at the same time. Um, I learned so much about the corrupt legal system and the trauma and the pain and the burden that this places on victims of sexual assault. And I think what stuck out to me was just how much of her personality and emotion was reflected in the book. Um, and I think that was just beautiful to see because during the trial, she remained anonymous and a lot of her, a lot of what made her her was stripped away from her. So I just thought it was beautiful that she was able to tell that story through her memoir. Thank you. I, um, I've definitely seen that one on, um, on Bookstagram and around. Um, but yeah, it's, um, it's something that sounds like such an important story. And um, <clears throat> sorry, my voice went really croaky. Um, a really important <laughs> story for, for people to know and a great one um, to start this conversation with for sure. Um, mine is Pachinko by Min Jin Lee. Um, I, it took me ages to pick up this book. I found it really intimidating to start with like the size of it, uh, the size of the font and also like the, I guess the, the promise of kind of heartbreak, like, you know, it's not necessarily going to be this story full of like joy and hope. Um, I think it completely took me by surprise. Like I learned so much about, uh, the, the Korean experience in Japan. Um, and particularly that post World War II, oh, even before World War II, actually it starts. I yeah, I really appreciated the the knowledge and insight that it gave me. I do really enjoy historical fiction, so I think that side of things um, was particularly interesting. Um, and the covers just also super pretty. <laughs> oh, it is gorgeous. That was actually our first Asian Voices book club read, and it was incredible. I it took me by surprise as well. I was reading it. It was a bit of a slow start and then I was reading part of it on the train and then I started crying and I was like, no, I got to put this away and read the rest of this at home. But it is absolutely beautiful. Her other book as well is actually on my TBR. I'll just double check what the name is. Um, uh, I think it's Free Food for Millionaires. Yes. Yes, yeah. that's it. So I've got that on my shelf. Oh, awesome. Yeah, that's, that's one that I'm interested in reading as well. Um, and I have heard some good things about it, but it's not as like, well, um, publicized or photographed as Pachinko, is it? Yeah, uh, it's kind of, <laughs> yeah, definitely not, but it's kind of intimidating because I would say it's probably almost double the size of Pachinko. So when I oh, got it in the mail, I had the shock of my life. So I haven't, I haven't touched it yet because I'm a little intimidated, but hopefully sometime this year. Yeah. And you've got to wait for the mood to strike you too, don't you? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Being a mood reader. <laughs> My next question for you is, um, what is your favorite Asian voices book by a female author? This was a hard one because there's so many, but of course I'm a big romance girl. So I had to recommend a romance here and that would be The Heart Principle by Helen Huang. 
Um, it's the third book in her Kiss Quotient series, um, which is a companion series of romances with Vietnamese and autism representation. And to me, out of all of the books in that series, this one's my favourite by a mile. It follows Anna. She's a burnt out violinist. And then her boyfriend tells her that he wants to go on a break and he wants to date other people to make sure that they're really meant to be together. So from there, she meets Quan on a dating app and he's like your typical bad boy. He rides a motorcycle. He's got tattoos and they have a one night stand, but it turns into something a little more. And I think compared to her last two books, this one had a better balance between character, emotion and romance. And there was just a lot of things that I could relate to. So I think I hold this book really close to my heart and absolutely love it. I actually haven't read any of her books. I know the, the Kiss Quotient has been on my TBR as well as The Bride Test for a very long time, but certainly it's something I should gravitate towards when I'm looking for a romance novel. <laughs> oh, definitely. I think The Kiss Quotient I read in less than 24 hours, so it's definitely a good oh, wow. romance to pick up if you want a quick read. Yes. <laughs> uh, so mine would be The Memory Police by Yoko Agawa. Um, I read this one last year and was completely swept away in the story. Um, I have spoken about it on the podcast a few times and it, it does actually have its own dedicated episode because I loved it so much. Um, but for those of you who might not have heard about it before, um, essentially it is based on an island and slowly things start to disappear. So you know, they might wake up and suddenly there's no birds on the island or the perfume on the island. And uh, like, it, look, it's a really hard one to talk about uh, without, without giving too many spoilers. But as you can imagine, if things are slowly starting to disappear, what also starts to happen to the people? And essentially people who still have memories of these things that are disappearing, uh, they're actually hunted down by the memory police. It explores the idea of cultural loss. I think it also explores the idea of colonialism and that idea that when people come in and, and take over a particular place, that uh, slowly like that loss of culture, that loss of way of life becomes destroyed um, and ruined. But it is actually a very short book. Um, it's surprisingly little, but it, it packs a punch. It's a very powerful read. So that would have to be mine. I do also really want to read, I think it's The Housekeeper and the Professor, not the other way around, not The p Professor and the Housekeeper. I'm pretty sure it's, yeah, um, <laughs> The Housekeeper and the Professor. Uh, that one is on my um, list of books to read, but beautiful author, very well written, highly recommend. Oh my God. I've never heard of that book. Um, I'll have oh. to definitely put it at the top of my TBR. It sounds amazing. And I think after I read the book, I'm definitely going to go listen to the episode on it. Yeah. It's look, it would be a really good book club read, to be honest. Like this I, know, I was actually thinking that. Yeah. There's so, and like you read it and you just want to talk about it with somebody who's read it. Um, and my best friend Hannah recommended it to me and I actually borrowed her copy and then I had to go buy my own copy because I just loved it so much. Yeah. It'd be such a good one to dissect and talk about with other people. And it, there's obviously much deeper meaning behind the, the work as well. Like even to to like hypothesize with other people what it's about or what they think it's about could be really interesting too. Yeah, definitely. I was actually thinking that I was like, oh, I'm going to make a mental note of this and then bring it up and see if we can read it for the book club one month. Cause yeah, it'll be such a great book to dissect as you said. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. So to counterbalance my previous question, uh, what is your favorite Asian voices book by a male author? Okay, so admittedly, I don't read too many books by male authors, but one that I read recently was After Parties by Anthony Vasnaso. 
Um, I picked this up because the author was Cambodian. His middle name is actually my mum's name, and that's why I was drawn to it. Um, so whenever there's a Cambodian, whenever there's a book written by a Cambodian author, it's always an instant buy for me. After Parties is a collection of short stories that um, gives snapshots into different Cambodian-American experiences in life. So there's stories about family weddings, there's stories about what it's like being queer and growing up Cambodian, um, because in my experience, being in my experience, the Cambodian culture is one that's generally socially conservative. And there's a few stories about love, loss, and you know, the relationship with religion and culture. And I actually listened to this on audiobook. Um, I only started re recently listening to audiobooks, but I think it's definitely one that I want to reread because I want to go back and, you know, tab some lines, annotate it, and then lend it out to a few of my friends because I just thought it was amazing. I do really enjoy listening to audiobooks, but I find when you do stumble across a gem, um, you get disappointed that you don't have the physical copy of the book uh, to, <laughs> to, like, highlighting and annotating. It, um, yeah... It's, it can be hit and miss. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, mine would be what I consider to be quite a classic is Mao's Last Dancer by Lee Swingson. Um, so this is, uh, he's actually the artistic director at, um, in Queens, at Queensland Ballet currently. I went and saw a Queensland Ballet production and he was there and I got very like excited. I wish I took my copy of my, um, my like secondhand book. <laughs> to get a signature from him. Um, but essentially, if you haven't heard this story before, Lee grew up in communist China. Um, and essentially one day uh, the uh, Chinese ballet went, or the uh, Imperial Ballet. I just want to double check I'm saying the right words. Oh, it was um, Madame Mao's like, ballet. Um, and she obviously used to send people around to go and find um, people or children uh, who would go through and uh, become ballet dancers and perform in her ballets. Lee eventually went to dance in America uh, before then coming to Australia. And he actually married an Australian woman, a woman called Mary. Um, and she has her own book as well. That's called Mary's last dance. Um, and that's a really beautiful story as well. Uh, but it's, it's really like a story about determination. It reveals a lot about what it would have been like growing up during the um, Mao regime um, in particular. And, uh, coming from poverty to sort of stardom and, and how he changed his life as well as the life of his family astronomically through the art of dance. Oh, that's incredible. I remember that book was on one of my school reading lists, which I never read. And I feel like with books on school reading lists, I get put off because it, because I just don't like reading when people tell me I have to read something. Um, but I think now I definitely have to go back and have a read of that. And I didn't know there was another book that tied into it. So it does sound interesting. I'll definitely have to have a look at it. I did read uh, Mary's Last Dance as an audiobook and really enjoyed it because she oh. narrates it. Um, and her book is very much so focused on um, her daughter. So their eldest daughter together, um, Sophie, is deaf. And um, how like she had to sacrifice essentially her her dance career um, in order to look after her daughter and um, get, got her daughter to understand language and to be able to speak. So there's a, there's like another layer on top of it, but I think I would have read Mao's last dance or it definitely would have been before I was interested in audiobooks. but it would be a good one to listen to as an audiobook as well. I think. Yeah, we'll definitely have to check it out.
So this next question that I have for you is a little bit more catered towards your Asian Voices book club. Um, and I know that you can find a list of the books that you have read so far um, on your Instagram, like story highlights um, under that uh, book club info uh, section. So it is, what has been your favourite Asian Voices book club pick so far? My favourite pick, I feel like, aligns with a lot of people's in the book club. And that would be Crying in H Mart by Michelle Zorner. So she's known as Japanese Breakfast and so she's a musician that's known by Japanese Breakfast and it's her memoir that touches on the death of her mother and her sense of identity as someone who is half Asian and also the importance of food and how tightly it's interwoven into Asian culture. I think throughout this book, my two main emotions were sad and hungry because just the way that she described food was like, oh man, I could really go for some Korean food right now. Besides that, I personally found it to be such an accurate representation of so many Asian experiences. Um, yet there were also a lot of experiences that people could relate to that transcend culture and ethnicity. One of the big ones being grief and loss of a loved one. And I just also thought it was really interesting to read about her experience being half Asian. Um, I'm not half Asian myself, so there were a lot of experiences that I haven't lived through. And it was interesting to see how the death of her mum impacted her sense of identity and belonging, um, being that her mum was Asian and her dad is white. Um, so, yeah, it was an amazing book, really emotional. I don't think I've ever cried reading a book on the first page. <laughs> so this was the first for me, but it was incredible. Look, it is one that I have picked up and I started to read um, or actually started to listen to. And just at like that particular moment in my life, I was like, I don't think I can... I can read yeah. this when it starts to mention like the death of her mum, like just the, like picking it up and going, Oh, okay. This isn't, this isn't right for me just at this moment. Um, but it, it definitely sounds like something that I will eventually read when the mood hits me. Um, and when I, when I, when I'm in a place to yeah. do so. <laughs> a few people in the book club were also in your situation where they're like, it's not the right time for me to read this. And I'm like, that's totally fine. So mm. Definitely one to check the content warnings before you pick up because, yeah, it can get really emotional and really confronting at times. Yeah, but I also think that the book would, would actually um, be comforting to some people as well in certain times of their life that could actually be something that um, they could turn to to see how other people are feeling and experiencing their sense of grief, especially at the loss of a parent. Yeah. I had a look at your list um, and I have read a few on it, but uh, my pick from it would be The Henna Artist by Alka Joshi. And I mean, considering we've already spoken about Pachinko as well. I read this as a book club book read as well. And I've also uh, read the sequel. I think the experience of the leading character Lakshim is one that um, was so interesting and fascinating how she was essentially living on her own um, and well, not living on her own, but aspiring to live on her own. Um, she had her own career, her own um, wealth and money behind her. Um, and especially in a society that uh, being an unmarried woman and her, so we, we see her, we meet her, um, but then suddenly her younger sister turns up and um, shakes the world a little bit around her. It ends well. Like I quite like the ending of the story. Like it is, it is filled with some hope. And then of course the, the sequel's well done as well. And there's a third book in the series also coming out in uh, hopefully, hopefully next year we will see the sequel. But yeah, it definitely taught me a lot about um, Indian culture, the the class system as well, and the idea of like reputation and sisterhood. And yeah, 
many things. I don't, I, that didn't sound overly eloquent, but it's a good book. <laughs> it's just been a little while since I've read it. <laughs> yeah, so it was interesting how it was set in the 1950s, yet some of the themes were still so relevant to today. Mm. And I feel like it was such a coincidental timing that we read it in June. And yeah, I've, I've seen the sequel. I haven't picked it up yet, um, but it's good to know that that one's a good one as well. Yeah, it kind of shifts like where it's actually set. Um, it's a little bit different. And then apparently the third one's actually meant to be set in Paris. There's something completely oh. different. It's about uh, Ra- Rada, her sister, and she becomes a, oh, I can't think of the name of it. It's a, But it's about perfume. Like she becomes like a person that creates perfume. Perfume array? Uh, I don't know. That's the right word. <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry. I don't know. I don't know what the name of someone who creates perfume is. <laughs> yeah. So, like, apparently it's um, it sort of gears a little bit more towards that uh, from what I've heard. But the 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 art of henna um, and understanding uh, the special meanings behind it or the reasons why it's painted um, was really interesting as well. I, I enjoyed learning about that. Okay. I have two more questions for you. Uh, the next one I can't answer. It's got to be completely up to you. And that is what Asian <laughs> Voices book club pick has been the most controversial so far? Okay. So I think for this one, it would definitely be Portrait of a Thief by Grace D. Lee. So like thinking about this book still makes me really upset because it has such a great premise, but I feel like to me, it just didn't deliver on it. And I feel like that sentiment is similar across the board. Um, but It's a story about five college students who create a plan to rob museums all over the world to take back stolen artifacts to China. So think like Ocean's Eleven style heist um, slash Black Panther, um, if for any Marvel fans out there, Killmonger vibes. Um, So it was marketed as like an Ocean's Eleven social network crossover and a fast paced heist book. But it ended up turning out to be more of a character piece, which I think disappointed a lot of us because it's not what we expected. There were a few people who did enjoy it because they liked the discussion around identity and the Asian diaspora experience. But for me, like for a heist book, there was probably five pages where they were actually heisting. So I think that kind of left me disappointed. And I just didn't think it was very well executed, in my opinion. But I have heard that it's being turned into a Netflix adaptation. So hopefully it will translate better on screen. I think it will personally, but we'll see how it goes. I um, I started that book and I didn't finish it for that reason. Like yeah. I <laughs> thought it was going to be way more uh, fast paced and thrillery in a way, but yeah, it, it just got so bogged down in the characters and I struggled with it because that wasn't the reason why I picked the story up at all. Yeah, a hundred percent. There were a few people in the book club as well who couldn't get through it. I just mm. charged through it because I wanted to know what happened at the end. Right. And then by the end, I was like, oh, well, I'm kind of disappointed. There was only five pages where they actually carry out the heist, which was yeah. a Disappointing. shame. But <laughs> That's what you yeah. want to read. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and the, like, like you said, the premise sounded awesome. Like it definitely sounded like a book that was right up my alley. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, it was not up my alley. <laughs> Sadly not. (laughs) (laughs) So one last question for you then is what is an Asian voices book that is currently on your TBR? Okay. So I hope it's okay. I've got two answers for this. Go for it. Um, First one is Foul Lady Fortune by Chloe Gong. 
It's the spin-off to the These Violet Delights slash Our Violet Ends duology, which is her first two books, and it's a Shakespeare retelling of Romeo and Juliet. Um, so this one is a spin-off of some of the characters in that series, and it's going to be a retelling of As You Like It, set in Shanghai. And I don't know too much about it because I kind of want to go in blind-ish, but I know it's about two spies who have to pretend to be married. And fake dating is my one of my top tropes. So one of my top tropes by one of my favourite authors um, automatically makes it my most anticipated book of the year. And then the second one is Dating Dr. Dill by Nisha Sharma. It's a rom-com, Rivals to Lovers. Don't know too much about it as well, but I know that one of the protagonists is a doctor. And I know that it's been out in the US and in a few other countries for a while, but in Australia, it doesn't come out for, I think until next month. So yeah, definitely looking forward to picking that one up once it comes out here. Um, I, both of those sound really interesting. Um, I did read, uh, these violent delights by Chloe Gong, but unfortunately it was just a little bit too fantasy, um, for me. Like, I feel like it leaned a little bit too much into, uh, that genre, but the, like the new one sounds really good. And I just like had a look at the cover and the cover is just, oh, like they do look really awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I look forward to seeing what you think about it. Yeah, I have really high hopes and yeah, I totally get you with it being a bit too fantasy because mm. I'm not a fantasy reader either. But then I picked this up because people were talking about it on Bookstagram. I was like, okay, I'll give it a go. I used to read fantasy back in high school, but I haven't since then. And then it turned out to be a pleasant surprise. So yeah. And sometimes those those books are the best books because you, you go in with a different expectation, but sometimes they're better. Um, than you could have imagined. Um, Mine is one that is definitely doing the rounds on Bookstagram at the moment, and it's Counterfeit by Kristen Chen. So notice this is one of the most recent Asian Voices book club picks as well. But I love the idea of the, like, the the counterfeit idea behind it and that kind of almost like crime that exists. I guess maybe sort of similar vibes to Portrait of a Thief, but I'd be interested to see how it kind of um, pulls off that it is marketed as being something that's like swift, surprising, sharply comic. So maybe even that like dial A for Arnie's kind of vibes as well. And that idea of it like peeling back the curtain behind the upscale designer storefronts and Chinese factories where luxury goods are produced. So it sort of sounds like whilst it's a bit funny um, and fast paced and moving, but it actually has like a deeper meaning and message behind it as well, which I like that idea. Yeah, I've actually already read this book and I feel like I picked it up because I wanted it to fill the hole that Portrait of a Thief left. And I think to some extent it does. Yeah, I think you'll enjoy this one a lot more. I've heard a few people say that it's predictable, but to me, I was like completely surprised by it. So hopefully it'll be the same for you. Yeah, I hope so. Like I don't often... Oh, then uh, I don't know. I, sometimes I don't mind if a book's predictable. Like you can kind of go, oh, I picked it. Like, and feel proud of yourself that like <laughs> you, you picked the moment or you picked what was going to happen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's always a bit of an achievement when you guess the plot. Yes, definitely. Um, I am going to end our chat now with a quick little game of this or that. Uh, so how it works is I will give you two things. They'll be quite bookish in nature. You've probably seen many of them on uh, Bookstagram as well, but essentially you have to give me your answer quickly. So are you ready to play? All right, let's go. (laughs) Okay. Do you use tabs or keep your books clean? I used to keep my books clean, but now I use tabs. 
Hardcover or paperback? Paperback. Are you a morning reader or night reader? A night reader. Series or standalone? Standalone. Whoa, you had to think about that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, do I you... love the depth of series, but I think I read more standalones. Yeah. And do you read with music or read in silence? I read in silence at home, but I read with music if it's on the train or in public. Oh, interesting. Helps you to like zone out. Pretty much. So that is it. Thank you so much for joining me on the Bookstoring Podcast, Penny. Thanks so much for having me, Tegan. It was super fun chatting and I have so many new book recommendations. I'm definitely going to add to my TBR now. Thanks to you. Excellent. Successful chat then. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. Hold up. Before you go, here's a little snippet of what to expect in the next episode. So my icebreaker question for you is all about your most cherished childhood story. So what's yours? This might be a little bit cliched, but I just, I adored Enid Blyton growing up. Um, I loved The Famous Five, The Secret Seven, The Children of Willow Farm. I loved all of them, but The Enchanted Wood was my absolute favourite childhood story. Um, There's an oak forest that we spent a lot of time at um, as children, and I loved to pretend that I was slipping into the world of silky and moon face and the magical lands at the top of the faraway tree and I loved that memory so much that I ended up getting married in the Oak Forest. So that's just a really special story for me that I loved reading when I was a child. I definitely have um, some Enid Blyton on my shelves that are passed down from like my mum and have like her name or my auntie's names written in them. Um, And they're definitely Mm. some some, like beautiful like additions from like the 60s and the 70s. You have been listening to the Bookstoring Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen and follow me on Instagram at the Bookstoring Podcast.